Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Praise God. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Let me just share something with you guys. Can I share? Can I share with you guys? And gals. Whenever you prepare a preaching, right? You're thinking, all right, God, what do you want from me? You know, what, what, do, you, what do you want me to give to your people? And I want to share this for those who haven't prepared before because it's really beautiful, right? What it is, is this. I prepare a message that God has given me. I go to him. I do what I need to do. Prepare this message. Awesome. And then I come Sunday morning, and then you hear songs that you had no participation in, that you did nothing involved in any of it all, and it's setting up the platform for what's going to be preached. The singer even goes even deeper and sets it up. And then someone comes to pick up the offering, and they set up for what's going to be coming in the Word. I just want you to understand, with God, there is, it, is, it is a plan all the way through. What we think is just crazy chaos, it's just happening the way it's happening, God is like, if they only knew. Amen. Let's give it up for God one time. I apologize. I was supposed to have y'all mingle and fist bump. I apologize. But I think that was better. Just kidding. So, uh, good morning. First off, I think I've mentioned, I want to today, I wanted to give a word of encouragement because I feel like sometimes, unfortunately, we miss the little things, right? So I want to take this time and I want to thank our pastors, our ministry leaders, our volunteers, and I want to be specific, anyone who has ever helped and assisted in anything at church in 2021 and our church members. I want to say to you, thank you. Thank you for standing behind our pastors, Ryan and Pastor Danny and uh, their spouses and whatever vision God has given them from the head down. And I thank you for standing behind that vision. And no matter what, no matter sometimes, sister, like you said, it doesn't look like it's what I want, but I put your will before my will. So I thank you. I want to applaud you for what you do. Thank you. We're not even finished with 2021. We're getting ready to start planning for 2022, and we're excited. We are excited. Uh, so this don't, if, you, if you're like, man, there's no class for the rest of the year. Well, we got stuff that we're going to be doing. We're not going to be at home relaxing with y'all. So, hey, take the time to relax. That doesn't mean don't go to your word. That doesn't mean don't go to your knees. Keep doing it. Church didn't stop for, for the rest of the year. Church is you, so keep doing what you got to do. Amen. All right, I just want to remind you. All right. So <laughs> my wife last night said, oh, do you have a, uh, your title? Did you get with Joel? I heard Will to make a little, you know, something, something cool, right? Something techie. Uh, and I was like, nah, I was kind of in the zone what I was doing. So she's like, oh. so this morning she's like, well, where's your slide? Did you? I said, man, I was going to ask Will. She said, I said, Joel. The devil is a lie, boy. So I don't have a slide. I apologize. But the title of my message is going to be Deja Vu. Right? Ooh, look at it. Wow. So the word Deja Vu is a French word where it comes from. And the word literally translates 
already seen. Man, your life is going to be good. It's going to be good. All right. So I believe when we travel through the Bible, amen, we see things and we miss them. And it's not till we finally dig in and we kind of let ourselves be open and we could actually see the scriptures come to life. Amen. So I want to mention a story and I was hesitant to do it, but I'm going to do it because I went to the future and I want y'all to know. So there was this one time me and my dad were having a conversation and I don't know if anybody's ever experienced deja vu or, you know, what they call it. You know, everything kind of slows down, right? That was my slow-mo. So what happened is my dad, me and him were having a conversation. I got to a point in that conversation and everything slowed down. And I said, man, if I answer the, the way I answered before to him, I'm going to get popped in the mouth. And not like a like, bah, like he, he decked me, like he punched me. I wish he was here so I could point at him. No, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, he, he really he punched me. I don't remember what I said. All I know is I avoided that word. And the conversation went cool. Take it how you want. But that was my experience with it. But I just noticed it comes into a slow motion. It all aligns. So it's pretty cool. Anyway, let's go. So today I want to share with you guys uh, a word that I believe God has given me for the body. Amen. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you're going to do. We thank you for the victory as we keep hearing that we're already going to have. So I just pray that you anoint your speaker. I pray that you take anything that is conflicting with your word and remove it, Father. I pray the ears are ready, Father. I pray the, the heart, it is fertile. It's on fertile ground, ready to receive your word. So I pray that you give it, and I pray that I give it the way you gave it to me. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So before getting into the word, I want to go to a scripture, a verse, and it's going to be up here on top. It's 2 Timothy three fourteen through 17. And I want to mention that this is a New Testament verse, being it's the second half of the Bible. And it's in reference to the first half of the Bible. All right? So I'm going to read. So it says, and I'll read from my paper, sorry. So it says, you, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to, be give, uh, to, able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Amen. All scripture is inspired by God and beneficial for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be fully capable, equipped for every good work. So this is, that was, yeah, thank you, Pastor Melissa. That was, that was your chance to say amen, right? So this is Paul talking to Timothy in the New Testament, right? He used the word ancient scriptures. What are those ancient scriptures? Those are the, that's the Torah, the scroll, the Old Testament. That's what they had. He says, what in 15? Are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So it is so important that we understand that the New Testament and the Old Testament are not two separate things. The Old Testament is the pretense, the, the, the setting the stage for what is to come. Yes, we see all the mistakes that are made. But then we see that we have Jesus. Amen. So it is important. So I would like to give it to you like this. It's like watching Marvel's Endgame before watching Infinity War. 
So, and if you don't know what that means, Infinity Wars where it all happens, and then the good comes in Endgame, right? So you can't watch it backwards. I was going to use Star Wars, but Star Wars is a whole nother three, two. Yeah, if you know Star Wars, they're laughing. That's why. So, but imagine that. It is Old Testament. That's where I'll be preaching out of as Nehemiah is the Old Testament. It all points to the New Testament. It all points towards Jesus. Amen? And I want to mention that because sometimes we, we miss that point. And we have to understand it is good. If we go to the Old Testament, we have that. It will lead us to Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So today we will be talking about Nehemiah and his assigned task. Did I read too fast for you, bro, to follow me? I didn't look back. I'm sorry. I'm trying to slow my pace. So that's where we'll be going from is Nehemiah. But allow me to set the stage for where we're sitting currently in this time. Okay. So what's happened is God has scattered his people because they abandoned his law that he put before them. Right? So now they're, 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 they've broken up the north and southern kingdom, Judah. They're, they're underneath the Persian, uh, the Babylonian and Assyrian per- persecution. So they're underneath them. So the word was said, if you will not abide in my ways, I will scatter you. So now they're again in slavery. Right? So... Where we have, where we're setting up to this moment, we have a man by the name of Zerubbabel, and he's a governor of Judah, and uh, he was tasked to rebuild the altar in Jerusalem, okay? Follow me. And then we have Ezra, which is a priest, a scribe. He was tasked with teaching the Torah to the people in Jerusalem. So what we have is, I don't want to jump ahead. I do that a lot. So if you will allow me to, I want to kind of look at what's happening then, And I want to come to today and see how we can relate it to us. And the way I want to do that is if you can remember, some of you have been here long enough. But if you remember, we not so long ago, had we were at a point where we needed to fix our altars. It was word being said that, hey, you need to prepare your altars. You need to clean your altars. You need to get ready. You need to repair them and get ready for what God has. Okay. So we could, okay, so we see Zerubbabel. He goes to prepare, you know, repair the altar. In Jerusalem, okay. Maybe we can relate that. Then we come to the fact that we say, hey, look, we know that our word and where we're positioning our word is not where it needs to be. So then we see Ezra come and he says, hey, we got to implement some things. You know, things have been going foul. We need to start re-implementing the Torah. Those things fall in place. And I won't elaborate on all those because that's not where I'm going. If you want to read, Ezra and Nehemiah. Knock it out. Um, but the last thing, and then I believe that we're moving towards is... Uh, it's pushing our churches. We're trying to go grow spiritually, but we're also trying to grow in numbers. And that's where we're going to start here. We're going to start with the task that Nehemiah was given. Amen. So we're going to be reading out of uh, Nehemiah 1 and 2. I was going to say, I'm sorry we're going to read, but this is church. <laughs> we come to read the Bible. You know, you go to the movie. You're, are you mad because the movie's on? No, you're probably mad because it's not as good as you thought it was going to be. And that may be the case today, too, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. But we're going to give it our best shot and we're going to read. I'm going to chop it up you know, in sections so it's not constantly reading. But that's kind of why I wanted to give you a layout of where we are in time right now. OK, so pretty much Jerusalem, the altar has been repaired. The, the Torah is being implemented and trying to get on those ways. But there's something that still lacks. And that's where we pick it up. All right. And that's Nehemiah one. So we are introduced to Nehemiah at the start of the chapter. Number one, Nehemiah, he hears about the condition of Judah, its people, and the walls of Jerusalem. Nehemiah is so saddened that he mourns, fasts, and prays. 
right? So when I, when I knew I was going to start preparing for my message, I started praising, uh, worshiping, and I was listening to music. I was right out here. I just came back from McDonald's. Praise God. When you have food, it's better. But um, I'm sitting there, and I'm listening to Yeshua. And that's, that's just a good song, man. I know my boy. I already know my boy. Might have, yeah. So it's just a powerful song. I love it. Uh, and I heard three words clearly. And it was seek, obey, and follow. Amen. Seek, obey, and follow. These three are especially important for the Christian's daily walk. So I would, I would try to slow it down. Sorry. Uh, and uh, that way he could follow. So we're going to begin reading Nehemiah 1 verses 4 through 11. And it said, when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I said, I beseech you, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who preserves the covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying before you now. Day and night, on behalf of the sons of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which we have sinned against you. I and my father's house have sinned. Uh, We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the ordinances, which you commanded your servant Moses. All right. Key points. Make sure you're hearing. Remember the word which you commanded your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them through those of you who have been scattered. Though those of you have, who have been scattered were in the most remote part for the heavens of the heavens, I will gather you from there and will bring them to place uh, to the place where I have chosen to cause my name to dwell. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. Verse 11. Oh, Lord, I beseech you, may your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight to revere your name and make your servant successful today and grant him compassion before this man. He finishes it with now I was the cupbearer to the king. All right. There we go. So that's where we're going to start. So. What are the ways we can seek God? The first point I have is prayer. What's the first thing? Well, it's not the first thing, but one of the first things we see Nehemiah do is he prays. And as like I said earlier, excuse me, Bami, what did she say? For an hour and a half, I didn't know what to do. And then I what? She prayed. Why is it so often in the church that the last thing we do is actually the first thing that we should do? Pray. Or maybe that's just me, right? Sometimes we let the, the world get us in. Oh, man, my finances. What am I going to do? Bro, we know God has us. We just got to seek him. You know, it may not be in the way that it looks like that we want it to be, but he has us in the palm of his hands. Amen. <clears throat> so Nehemiah was saddened by the news he had received about his homeland. Imagine you hear about your homeland. I remember I can think of like brother, uh, brother Danny, Pastor Danny, I'm sorry, brother David, when they hear things going on in El Salvador, like they, they get, they're like, man, did you hear? And I'm like, to me, I'm like, I really, I did it, but they have family there. So I could imagine for them, it would be important. So I could see for him hearing these things about his, about his brothers telling him these things, it, it saddens him, right? It's his homeland. 
All right. So uh, I believe it was his prayer to God that allowed him to feel so strongly because he, he was born in, uh, in captivity. He wasn't born there and came out of. No, he, he was born in captivity. So I believe, I truly believe that his prayer to God is what allowed that, that, that just that, that burning desire within him to be saddened, but to also want to do something. Amen. So another way I believe we can see God is by fasting. Prayer is the words like, hey, God, this is what I want. So I want to do. I want that Louis purse. I want that Ferrari for my son. And I'm going to fast. Like, that's like saying, I'm serious, God. I'm going to fast. Right. But that, that it's the thing that lets him know that, look, he's not playing. He's probably not going to get those purses in that. But when you align yourself with God's will and you and you pray and you fast, it's telling God, look, he's seriously saying, I want to I don't want these things physically that are attractive are good to me. I want to set them aside for me and I want to just seek spiritually what I need to do your will. Amen. Who can we think of? Shedrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel. What did they do? They said, no, we, won't, we don't want to not give you fruits and vegetables when you need to be healthy in, front, in the presence of the king. They said, no, just give us, give us just a fruit and water. We're going to be good. And they were even better than them. Right. Another example of fasting. What do we see? Jesus says, you can't cast out these demons with just prayer. It's fasting and prayer together. So we know that fasting is very important, right? Amen. So uh, we also know that, this is like my, it's my joke line. We also know that fasting isn't just for the beginning of the year when we do our corporate Daniel fast and then we forget fasting until December and we're sad because we got to do it again in January. No, it is for our everyday lives. It is for our ministries. It is for our church. It is for our community. It is, hey, you can go through and look at different fasting. There's different reasons and different ways they're doing it. Esther did a fast. There's just so many things. So fasting is a good thing. If you're doing it once a year, you're missing the mark. All right. This is fat people stuff. Don't laugh, man. I told my wife, I said, man, I'm going to be like my, my boy. I don't even want to say it now. My boy last week, he was up here. Man, those lights are, are very, very, they're, they're very, very, yeah, that's the word. Hey, if you can't take it up here, you promise you won't take it in hell. So get right. That's how we tell you. Hey, that's the real deal. I'm telling you right now. All right, back to it. So, um, so reading his word is another way. If you, if you notice, what does he say? He reminds God of what he told Moses. So can I do that if I don't know the word of God? Can I remind God of his promises? All right, look, God, you're right. You did say you'll scatter us, but we're trying to get it right. So now I need the other part of what you commanded to come into fruition now. That's what we're trying to align ourselves with, and God will honor that. Sometimes you got to remind him of the promise that he said over your life. Amen? Okay. So... Here was my other one. I'm sorry. You will never be able to tell when the devil's lying in your ear if you don't have the truth or the word of God. Amen. So know the word of God because I know we always talk about Eve, but I'm going to say it again. No, he was he took a he took a truth and wrapped it around a bunch of lies. You know, so understand that truth. Hey, he tried to do it to Jesus, too. And what did he do? Truth overcomes all. If you know the truth, the Bible says it'll set you free. So know the truth. It can set you free from bondages, set you free, not free, set you free from bondages, set you free from what he's placing you under, how he's holding you down. So know that knowing the truth is what will allow you to be free. If you fill yourself with lies and keep people around you that keep filling you with lies, you're, you're going to feel comfortable because it's all lies. But when truth comes, what happens? You start to 
Hold on, man. You're starting to make me uncomfortable. Yes, right. I sure am. Come on. All right. So those are the three ways that we can see God as we pull from the text, right? He prayed, he fasted, and he know the word, he knew the word of God. Amen. So continuing on, we're going to read uh, uh, Nehemiah two, one through six. Like I said, it'll be it'll uh, it'll be Nehemiah one and two will be our main text. So I'm gonna go ahead and start. So uh, Nehemiah two verse one, and it came about in the month. Nisan and the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. So the king said to me, "Why is your face sad, though you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart." Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, "Let the king live forever. If you're ever afraid, just say something crazy like that." May you live forever, whoever you're talking to. Amen. So why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tomb lies desolate and its gates have been consumed by fire? Then the king said to me, and that's kind of the first mention. What does he say? The gates have been consumed by fire. Then the king said to me, what would you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven right on the spot. You better be ready. I said to the king, if it please the king, and if your servant has found favor before you, send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that, uh, that I may rebuild it. Then the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will your journey be and what, when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I gave him a definitive time. I'm sorry, yeah, a definite time. A definite time, sorry. I'm finna get into it. So, what's happening he finally, he goes before the king, right? Oh, hold on one second. Okay, no, I'm right. I'm sorry. Freaked out for a second. So what happens when we obey God? Just to give you some insight. In the beginning it said, now it happened in the month of Chislev. In verse one, I mean, sorry, chapter one. Ver- chapter two it said, and it came in the month of Nisan. They have their own calendar. But let me let you know that it was four and a half months before he got his answer. That's a long time. That's a long time, isn't it? But let's be, let's, let's, let's be real, real quick. Sometimes we go to God in prayer asking for something and several outcomes happen. One of them being, he just never answered, so I'll just do it the way I want. If he didn't say no, well, he didn't say yes either, right? So we got to understand, we give up way too easy, but he stayed with it. It didn't say that he prayed and fast just for that day. No, he prayed and fasted, and, and he was mourning up until. So until it came about, and he was ready. So, man, don't give up so easy. Remain faithful. Remain praying. Wait for the answer. If God said he's going to do something, then you give him the time to allow it to come into place. We're on his time, not our time. We're in an age now where it's like, hey, I want it when I want it and I want it now. You know, it's just reality. But the reality is you're not on your own time. You didn't buy yourself with the price. You didn't sacrifice your life. He did for us. So know that it is on his time. Uh, Also notice Nehemiah was a king's cupbearer. And to go before the king sad, that could have been his life. Right then and there. Hey, oh, you're sad? Get out of it. Kill him. Give me another one. Right? 
Because the king back then, it was, it was no joke. They, when they said it, it happened. But I also want to point out is his boldness and his courage. You know, when you think, imagine when you think about something, hey, look, something, something good happened or something bad happens. It kind of weighs on you. You try to leave it at home. You try to go on with your daily lives. But in reality is, it is your life, your emotions you carry with you. Right? So the same concept, he has a job to do. He's the king's cupbearer. But he's saddened because his heart is truly saddened. But he said, you know what? More importantly to me is his plan and his people than it is the person that I am underneath. Now, he did not disrespect his leader, his person above him. He did not do anything wrong other than be saddened between him and God. And that's powerful. And it could have cost him his life. But as we said already, when God has you in the palm of his hand, he's opening the doors. I like that it piqued King Artaxerxes rather than... It piqued his interest. Sometimes you got to do something that they've never seen and get them off guard. Like, well, like, hold on, nobody's ever came sad before me. How do I deal with this? Hey, come here. That's not, that's not nothing. There's something going on here. So I just say praise God. He creates those areas. He creates the moment for him to step in. Amen? All right. So um, another thing I wanted to mention is think of like a line. Imagine you go, we don't go to, we don't go to, we don't go to uh, circuses. My wife's like, it's not fair for the animals. I'm like, it's not fair for this animal. I want to go see. You know, so we don't go. But imagine going to a circus and you see, oh, look at this beautiful, man, powerful lion. And you see the guy's like, no, stop doing that. I said, no, come here. Get up there. Man, you're going to be like, man, I didn't pay money to see this guy for the lion to control him. It's funny, but it's the same concept. God did it for us, and here we are trying to tell God what we're going to do. Come on, man. We got to say whatever you want. And now, you know, sometimes he, he got he to lay it down, and that's all right. Sometimes that's what we need. But, man, obedience is submitting all your plans, all your family, all your flaws, all your habits, all your ways of thinking to him. Amen? Hey, <laughs> that's a good point to say. You sure you want to be Christian? Be sure. Be sure. But, hey, praise God, we have someone that is there beside us to help us, and that's the Holy Spirit, man. So when you have a Christian uh, that is not obedient and does not have a good understanding of the word of God, then that person is in, is in the danger zone. Not for himself, but also for the people around him that he may be misguiding. So remember... They could even turn them from saying, hey, look, I was going to be a Christian, man, but I see this guy and I'm like, he's the same as me. So why I got to be a Christian? So remember, people are always watching. All right. Are we good? So now we got to see, right? What happens when we obey God? We see what happened to Nehemiah when he obeyed God. A lot of things start happening, right? So moving forward, we're going to read second. Uh, Nehemiah 2, I'm sorry, Nehemiah 2, verses 7 through 10. Here we go. And I said to the king, if it please the king, let letters be given me for the governors of the provinces beyond the river, that they may allow me to pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress, which is by the temple. For the wall of the city and for the house to which I will go. And the king granted them to me because of 
Because what? The good hand of God, uh, of, of my God, was on me. Then I came to the governors of the provinces beyond the river and gave them the king's letter. Now the king has sent with me officers of the army and horsemen. Amen. Verse 10. When Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about it, it was very displeasing to them that someone had come to seek the welfare of the sons of Israel. So here we go. That's a lot. What I want to say is this. First off. We can plan the right ways and do the right thing all the time. But we have to see that God's hand over Nehemiah, as King Artaxerxes, gave him timber, gave him letters, everything. He prepared the way. How, how if you've never done this, how can you know what you need? Prayer and fasting. God said, no, no, no. If you just go, you know, this is, this is me. This guy didn't really say this. But if God's like, well, I need to send you over there, and then that's it. Sometimes you may feel like God steps back. But that's just him allowing you to continue to seek him. That's him allowing you to say, hey, look, God, you gave me a little bit of this plan. I don't have the money. I don't have the resources. The king's not going to let me go. But I'm going to go rebuild a wall and gates. I would have been like, I'm out. Like, I, I can't do it. No, but he prayed and he fasted and he sought the Lord. What am I going to do? Get letters. You need to get letters to get through here. You need to get a letter to get there. Once you get there, you're going to get the material you need to build the walls that you're going to repair. Do you know how many walls? No, you ain't even been there yet. Just get enough and get there. Oh, not only that, I need the wood from my house that y'all going to build me too. So man, sometimes you're like, man, I got it all good. And God's like, oh, the that's good. You got it. But let me also throw in some, some soldiers and let me also throw in some cavalry just in case anybody comes against you and don't take your letter. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to place you as governor of Judah while you're doing these things. Come on, man. Who's going to be governor tomorrow? Let me know. Maybe one of us. So come on, man. He goes from a cupbearer to who? The governor of Judah. And all these things that happen, crazy. I also want to mention that Nehemiah finished building the walls and the gates in a record time. 52 days. 52 days. You want to know how long they were down for? 141 years. It's a long time. It's a long time, amen? But if you notice at the end of chapter 2 and verse 10, after all the good that has just happened, and everything was set in motion to take place. What happens? Adversity arises. Two guys didn't like what he was planning to do. Oh, somebody's trying to come look at uh, uh, the, 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 where the walls are and how they are. The, the position or the, the condition is the word I'm looking for. They want to come see the condition of the walls. Oh, I don't like that at all. So right at the start, we already have adversity. Everything's lined up. And then the devil says, what's up? What y'all got going? Every time. This will always happen. But as you continue reading the, the, the story, you see that adversity rises up again and again. They continue. They want to try to destroy them. They're literally building the wall with the sword in one hand and trying to build the wall with the other. They have people around them protecting them from the people who are trying to rise up to defeat them so they don't repair the walls. Crazy. But what he does is he continues to pray. He 
He continues to seek God. He continues to pray to God. He continues to follow the plan. No matter how many times adversity comes, he still stays the course. Man. We have to have that same mentality when it comes to your plans and what you're planning for 2022. Maybe you're not in a ministry. Well, what are you doing to get into ministry? How are you preparing yourself? But we must take the same model and continue praying, continue fasting, and continue to seek the Lord and to remain in his word. That's the only way whatever God has given you will take place. You may say, man, God has given me something years ago. Well, I ask you, are you waiting on him? Or is he waiting on you? That's yours to answer. I just want to mention, I don't know if I put it in here, but those walls were not small. They're like 10 meters high. That's 30 feet. You know, they're like 14 feet wide, you know, in depth, you know, in like they were humongous. Closing my thoughts. So we know, seek, obey, and follow, right? Ultimately, in the end, the Israelites failed again. They didn't get it right. They started working on the Sabbath. They started doing all the things wrong, not doing what the Torah was. They were charging interest on their own people. So if I let you borrow 100 bucks, Pastor Maritza, pay me back 120. That's forbidden. If it's your people, you don't charge tax. Outside your people is one thing. Inside, you don't do that. So they started trying to profit from each other. Don't try to profit from your brother and sister. Don't try to profit from them none. Help them to succeed. Help them to to lift up. Help. And and man, y'all do it very well. Anytime a a ministry is in need of funds, y'all are always like, take my money. I always see the emoji on with that little girl just grabbing money and throwing it. Y'all always are there. You're always obedient. That's why, man, thank you for everything that y'all do for us, church. We really appreciate it. And the big thing is, man, Nehemiah did everything right. Sometimes you're going to do everything right, and you're not going to succeed. And that's all right. The glory is God's in your success. The glory is God in your failures. Give it your best. Don't have no doubts when you're done. Say, God, I gave it all that I had and I fell. Praise God. What's next? Right? Don't be discouraged. Uh, He continued to pray. Nehemiah, we see he continued to pray constantly. It wasn't his plans. It was God who who just moved him and set everything up for him. I want to mention it's not Nehemiah. It is God who does everything. Right? He continued to pray. He continued to seek. Continued to seek God even when adversity rose. When some of us would have turned back, like, man, that's just too much. It's not worth it, right? So submit your plans, your dreams, your visions to God because ultimately if you're having them, it's probably because he's giving them to you anyways, all right? Zerubbabel had to repair the Jewish temple. Ezra had to teach the Torah. Nehemiah had to repair the walls. So I want to get back to where I started in the beginning. What did I say? How can we apply what we've learned and apply it to our daily lives, right? We mentioned the first two. Now, Nehemiah, we have the walls. The walls are very important, right? So uh, what did walls represent back then? Walls were set up around cities to help to keep bandits, gangs. I say, I think gangs, I think gang members. I guess it's the same thing. The Crips and the Bloods out, right? It was meant to keep people out. 
So if people came to your city and anybody got into your town and it wasn't safe, they're probably not going to keep coming back. So walls were important. It was meant to keep people out, right? Uh, animals, we said 30 feet high, man, that's a, you get in there, it's going to have to be big. So we know it kept animals, wildlife, things of that stuff outside until they were ready to bring them in. All right, but to put it into perspective, we're trying to grow our church, as I mentioned in the beginning. First and foremost is in spirit. Secondly, we, wanna, we don't want it just to be us and only us go to heaven, right? We want the community around us, our loved ones, our friends. We want them to come too. But when they come in these walls and we have no way of protecting them, then what happens? Right? Understand that walls are not put up to cause division. Walls are simply put up around this church. We don't have doors everywhere. Where do we have doors at? In the front. Right? Maybe on the side. Same thing for walls. If we have certain places for people to get in, we control the flow. So if the enemy tries to sneak in, he's got to come through the front door. And I don't know if you know, but he's a coward. He likes to come at night. He likes to come in the dark. He likes to come when you're vulnerable. So we want to come straight through the front door. Amen? Hey, I'm going to let you know. And if you're like, whoa, 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 we don't the devil in here. I'm going to tell you right now, people have problems and people carry baggage. People carry situations and they bring spirits. So they come in with them. They're probably with us right now. So if you think everybody in here is A1, I'm sorry. We're human. We fell. We all fall short of the glory of God from the top to the bottom. You hear all the time pastors leaving the church or pastors found this or leaders or treasurers. It's there. Look at Judas stealing money, walking with Jesus. I can't get it. I can't get it and betraying them. But here we are. This is the world we live in. Amen. So we have to protect those that come into these walls. The wall consists of uh, how we live and how we protect our temple. That's number one. Right. It's not number one as in the way of what's more most important, but we have to protect this temple. We have to protect what's here. Amen. He doesn't need our protection, but it's needed. Amen. So how we build our walls in our ministry. Are we just letting anybody in to lead? Are we letting anybody in speak? Are we letting just anybody come in? Or are we putting them to the test? I don't know if you know this or not. In school, before you go to the next grade, you got to take a test. We got to know where you are, bro. We got to know where you are, sis. So if I just let you come in and take the pulpit, then that's a, that's a shame on me. I need to see your fruit. And you need to expect that from everybody. Amen? To me, this is probably the most important. I mean, altar, altar. we are the altar. We are the temple, right? But how are we protecting the walls in our family? Let's get down to the nitty gritty, right? What about our kids? What about our sons? What about our daughters? Are we, are we building walls around them the way we're supposed to? Are we showing them how to build walls to keep the enemy out from them? Are we just saying, hey, they're watching me. I'm setting the example. That's what, that's what the Bible says. I'm the preacher at home. I set the example. They follow. <laughs> oh, boy, did I get that wrong, right? So we got to know. We, we can't just assume that it's right. We got to do our due diligence. Hey, hey, that's not the way you let. Nope. That's not, you know, TikTok. Nope. Instagram. Nope. 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 No, sir. I love TikTok. Told me that thing. I got to say it. Hey, I'm, I took it first. So if we're not protecting our temple, then we're not protecting the presence of God in our life. No walls equals no protection for the temple. 
equals no presence of God. So if you say, hey, if you say, hey, hey, I'm good. I don't need no walls. Well, then how's your temple? Oh, your temple's broke? Temple's broke down? You got a bunch of stuff on it? Hey, no presence of God. No presence of God equals no fruit. Hey, you can't, you can't work here yet, but we're going to pray for you, fam. We'll place hands on you. We'll make sure to get you right. We're going to help you. We're going to pick you up. We're going to clean you off, and you're going to walk beside us. That's how it's supposed to be. Remember, diligent, diligently to seek God, obey God, and follow God. And one sentence, and I got this from my, my brother-in-law, Renee, where is he? Yeah, somewhere here. There he is. He said, well, if you could sum up your preaching in one sentence, what would it be? And the sentence I told him was like a paragraph. I like, I like run-on sentences, you feel me? I'm not an educated man. <laughs> All right, I am, but I, sometimes I just want to not use grammar. All right, so here we go. If we cannot stick to the fundamentals, seek, obey, and follow, then just like the Israelites from the beginning, we will continue to fail God, and we will fall away from him little by little. Let me ask you a question. When the enemy, and he kind of gets you, does he come and say, hey, go, go watch this. Hey, go do that. Nah. Hey, get on Instagram. Oh, that's a girl right there. She's half naked. Oh, wait. There's another girl. Let me click on her post. Oh, let me go. Oh, that's not enough. Let me go to this website. Ooh. Okay, yeah. Well, now I want to put that in motion. I can't do that in my house. I got to go find somebody else. What is that? Little by little. Little by little. Let's go even deeper. How is the enemy taking over this world? Is he saying, uh, where did the LGBT, LGBT community come from? It just popped up? Little by little. Planned Parenthood, abortions? Little by little. The enemy doesn't take leaps and bounds. He's not taking churches. He, oh, oh, let me just take the pastor. I get the pastor to fall, then it goes to church. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, let me get this man to do the wrong thing. And then that family's doomed too. There goes his lineage. Come on. Here we are. If I can have the worship team come up here, please. Food for thought. I heard this. Don't laugh at me, man. When I heard this, I didn't hear it. So Benjamin Franklin coined it. It's his phrase. But that's not where I heard it. I heard it on the uh, King Richard, the Serena Twins, the, their movie. And uh, it was really awesome. I was thinking, man, if I look at him, I'm like, man, I failed as a father, man. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, don't say it, bro. Don't say it. Man, I failed as a father next to that guy. But one thing he said, man, and I, I keep saying it, and I want to keep saying it because it's very important. The words are, if you fail to plan then we plan to fail. Right? So if you fail to plan, we plan to fail. What are we doing this, this month? What? Oh, we're planning for when? Oh, you mean we don't just show up and do this? It just works like this every Sunday? No. We plan this. But let me touch on another core. Don't plan something and hold it so much to the T that you forget to let God in when he wants to get in. You can't do it better than God. 
You don't know how. I don't know how. The only reason I'm up here today is because of him. The only reason I'm preaching this message is because he chose to give it to me. That's it. Without God, Brandon, y'all may not like him. I, I know I don't like him. So that's real. If you could be real and say, man, I just don't like who I am. Without God, bro, I don't like me. I tell my wife sometimes, I'm like, man, imagine if people knew, like, my wife, she didn't like me. <laughs> when, she, when she met me, look at this arrogant guy. How is he arrogant? He's like 250 pounds, you know? <laughs> but I was cute, though. I'm just kidding. So, man, this Bible, this word of God, if you read it, it shows you how ugly I want to say you were. That's what I want to say. But it also shows you how, how ugly you can be. And that's where I get, man, it's funny. I told my wife, I said, I don't have a, I don't have a title yet. Last night, I'm like, hmm, I don't know. It's going to come. And the word deja vu just pops up. And I'm like, because you know why? We, we read this word of God so much. Do you know that what they're doing in this era going back it's called the new exodus. It is literally what happened from Egypt going into the promised land. Ezra is the new Moses. Nehemiah is the new Joshua. Like it all represents the same. When they left out of Egypt, they left with so much, but in a rush, gold and, and silver and everything. And guess how they left away from King Artaxerxes under, under the Persians? Giving them stuff. Oh, you know what? The stuff that we took from Solomon when he had the temple, we took all this. We're going to give all that back. Take it all. And here's some more too. And everywhere you go from here to on your way back to Judah, they're, they're, we're decreeing them to give you too. That don't make sense. But what did he say? He reminded God, when you scatter us, no matter how far you scatter us, you will honor us and bring us back when we turn to you. When we turn to you. Amen. Nehemiah's plan, but God through Nehemiah's plan did so much more, so much better. Understand that. I want you to understand this because God needs you. And if you don't do it, someone else will do it. You have a calling over your life. There's a mission. That's why you're alive. That's why you're taken in his air because he has something for you to do. So there's no way that I can't say that he does not need me. But the reality is he doesn't need me. He can use anybody. But understand that he needs somebody to be Jesus for somebody who doesn't have Jesus. Plan always, but leave room when God wants to do something within your plan. Please. And finally, adversity is going to rise up. Adversity is going to come up. If you want to do something, or you want to sit on a church bench the whole time of your church career, I guess we'll call it. That was fine with that. He'll sit right next to you. Right next to you. Stagnant. But when you get up, and you say, God, I want to do something for your kingdom. Oh, yeah, he's going to get up with you. What happened? Everything was set into play. Oh, yeah, at the end, yeah, 
Two guys don't like what you're doing, so they're going to follow you. And they're going to be the same two guys, and then another guy. And then it just gets worse. It gets worse. So no, when adversity comes up, it's all right. Nehemiah stayed the course. He did his thing. He did what he had to do. At the end, he's pulling people's hair out to make them re- to remember. Read Nehemiah. Man, you touch Nehemiah. I thought, oh, Nehemiah sounds good. God, I'll go there. I went through the whole Old Testament. Another thing. This all set, the time was set in like 445 B.C. Between Malachi and the New Testament, uh, Matthew, there's 400 years of silence. 445 counting down to zero. There's only one thing that happens after that, and that's Malachi's book. So this is pretty much the last thing. It's almost like the last straw. God's like, they can't get it right. So it's this time for Jesus. Whether it was like that literally, you know, obviously he planned it. But this is the last thing that happens right before the Old Testament closes. Aside from Malachi. And that 400 years of silence. I don't know about you, but when your kid does the wrong thing and you're just like, oh, bro, don't talk to me for 400 minutes. Move around. I ain't got 400 years. I can't be that man. Give me 400 minutes, 400 seconds. I love you, but get away from me. Boy, I ask for strength right now. I'm going to choke you. But ask for patience. Don't ask for that. He's going to try to give you trials to test you to get patience. Yeah, don't ask him for nothing, man. It's crazy. But man, remember, remember, man, we got to be like Nehemiah. Go to him in prayer fast for the things that you want to do. And say, and when he says, that's not what I don't, I don't want that for you. Be like, me either. I just thought I did. Let's go this way. What do you want me to do? I thought I did, but I, 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 I missed it. So lead me. We're not with the Holy Spirit like this. Come on, follow me. No, I'm like this. I follow you. Show me. One more little analogy or metaphor, however you want to look at it. I find that Christians, and this is a barbecue reference from my guys. So I find as Christians, sometimes we're like when the charcoal's lit and the fire's already going, we like to get that, that fire started. And we just spray it on the fire. Yeah, that's right. I did that. Amazing. But what happens when that gas, when all that, that liquid burns off? The fire goes right back to where it was. But if the fire that we have, we soak it before the fire, we do our part, right? We get it all wet. And then the fire comes. Boom. Only this fire doesn't go out as easy. You got to keep feeding it too. You got to keep feeding it, feeding it. You don't feed the flames. You feed the base that keeps the flames going. I just want y'all to know that was God. Like all week he was dropping things like that. I was like, I'm going to say that. I'm saying it. But it's him, man. And it's him. And it's the everyday life that we can see. That's the way we are. It's funny, but that's, I ain't going to say it. You know. That's the way we are. Why would I apologize for reading so much scripture in a church that should be reading scripture aloud together? Why? 
I'm with you. I'm down there too. Like, oh, it's a long scripture. And I was like, man, I'm going to have to apologize to him. Mm-mm. Sorry, not sorry. This is, what, this is how we grow. This is how we grow. Let's stand to our feet. And I, I want to do an altar call, man. I want to mention, we're going to have people. We have four people right here in the front. Those are our prayer warriors. They're there if you need them. If you want prayer over something specific, you want help with that prayer, utilize them. We're just instruments. We're going to stay right here in the center. That's how we're going to keep rolling. If you want just you and God, both of these sides will be open. We're going to have people that are over here and over there, crowd control. You just let them know, hey, I just want to go to God by myself. They're going to direct you where to go. Crowd control. That's it. Amen. But what I want to mention is something that I don't want to do. And I want to pray. And I don't want just me to pray. I want us to pray for people who are struggling with habitual sin. Man, I know it's uncomfortable. I know it's uncomfortable. But just in case you're like, what is that, right? Habitual sin. Any sin that you can't let go of, any habit that you have and you can't let go of, and anything that you're putting before God, before you come, I want you to know that I've been there as a leader. I've been there struggling as a Christian, struggling in ministry, struggling because you just read once God gives an assignment, the enemy rises up. But I want you to know you're not alone. You're not alone and we're not here to judge you. You see what what's wrong is the church has become a place where we expect perfection. Who goes to the hospital when they're feeling good? Who? Anybody? You want to go pay? So why do we come to the house of God where we're met? We know we're broken. No matter from me down and above me, we're broken. There's no way that we don't have any battles. There's no way. There's no way temptation said, I'm going to just leave this guy alone now. No. It is always going to be there. But you know what we should do? Come here. What are the prodigal son? What's, what's the whole point of the prodigal son? He leaves and returns. What happens when he returns? Embrace his father runs. So what do you think God's going to do when you turn and come back? The problem is the devil wants you to know and think that once you fail, you can't be used no more. You go to the discard, that, that trash. We can't use him no more. But I'm here to tell you the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. No matter your past, no matter what you've done, no matter how bad you think it is, God could use you. And if you're breathing his air, because he has something for you. So, I'm telling you, I've been, fa- I've been fasting all this week. I'm preparing for this message. And let's be transparent, huh? Beating myself up because I'm asking, man, 
once I'm done preaching, am I going to reset back to what I was before I preached? Am, am, am I going to continue fasting? Am I going to continue seeking my God the way I am now that I need him to guide me and instruct me? I said full transparency, huh? Or am I going to continue? Well, let me tell you something. I'm planning already for what's next. I'm planning for what's next. I'm planning for my next moves. Because like Benjamin Franklin said, what? When you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Now, maybe you're not bold enough to stand up here. Here. And say that. But I just want you to know. Seek, obey, and follow. If you want to pray, I want to pray with you. This can go to the seasons of seasons and the newest of the new. It's a simple formula. Seek, obey, and follow. Who do you seek? You can't obey who you don't seek. (laughs) You can't follow who you don't know. Right? We got to place ourselves in a position underneath our father. Who here can go tell Elon Musk, Elon Musk, hey, I need you to pay for this because, uh, I can't cover it. He don't know you. So why you go to God and tell him, hey God, I need you to, I need you to bless me. Who are you? <laughs> I, know, I know who you are, but I don't know who you are right now. We have to position ourselves. So when we go to God, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, Jehovah Nisi, my banner, I wanted to write those down, but I said, man, I'm going to just go off with it. My healer, my provider, we're calling these names on God in ways that we call, we're calling a provider and I need a healer. See, you don't know the God you're calling. These are all his personal characteristics of who he is. So, that's what I have. If you want to come forward. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.